I asked Tom to give me just a few more minutes this morning. I do promise that we will dismiss at about the same time. I have three passages queued up I'll read in just a moment to introduce this sermon. The school season is underway. In previous years, since this is on the minds of parents and students and grandparents, I've delivered a sermon with applications toward the challenges, temptations, and duties of seeking an education in a good sort of way. Looking back, those sermons have often been student-directed. This one is parent-directed, but I want students to listen, grandparents, and all of us, and parents who are not here, will receive a link to hear this sermon on their time later this week. To the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, God is speaking through the prophet to his people with these words, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. We believe God maintains that same benevolent disposition toward His people today. When we commit ourselves to His will, we need not fear. God says to His people, I am with you. Similar to this in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then from God through Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5. God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Parents, if you are committed to God's will in your lives, your families, and for the sake of your children, your God says to you, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I will strengthen you, I will help you, be strong and courageous. My subject today is fearless parenting. Fearless parenting. Here's what happens every day all across America. It may not be happening to any of you, I don't know, I hope not, but this is prevalent in many American homes. I'm going to start with what we all know is happening all across the country. During the school year, everybody gets up a little late and the wild race begins. It doesn't last very long, this race, and there is no winner, but everybody is rushing around. It's noisy, and some of the chatter is agitating. Breaking through the air as you step over piled up laundry, 
you hear a series of urgent reminders. Do you have your backpack, your homework, your phone? Billy took my charger again. Everybody runs to load up in the van. But you can't pull out until at least one passenger says, Stop, I've got to go back in and get something. And then you get into maddening traffic and the line at McDonald's. There's never time for breakfast at home. At the last minute, everybody shows up at their destination feeling absolutely exhausted. A full day of school or work is ahead, and at the end of the day, the process is repeated, but this time with an added dimension of fatigue. The daily grind of parenting in our modern world for many families turns out to be managing chaos. Day after day, trying to keep up get everybody where they need to be and pay the bills. And then on your memo pad or calendar, there are sports and concerts and assignments and UIL events and the gym for parents and social events and band trips and shopping every now and then an emergency room visit, church, outdoor activities, indoor activities, housework, yard work, career, the pressure of overwhelming responsibilities we've stacked into our lives, a punishing schedule, long-term exhaustion. Why would a preacher bring all this up? The trajectory of overloaded schedules and busy lives gone mad can gradually take us away from God's design for the family. I don't mean you'll get up one day and look at your schedule and say, well, something has to go, let's quit church. The trajectory I'm talking about is very subtle. It comes over a long time of seemingly insignificant changes in the way you and your family live. And there is a creeping form of temptation that slowly takes everybody in the wrong direction. See, busyness is not like a sin that you commit one day. It sneaks up on you over time. It is the slow strangle of temptation, materialism with an absence of good spiritual priorities. It's like a small seed the devil puts in your schedule while you're not looking. And it slowly grows into this vineyard of weeds that choke the life out of your family and pushes God away just a little at a time. In those moments when we see a little of what's happening, we brush our concern aside and we say, well, uh, God isn't against ambition. These kids have to keep up and learn and stay busy. And people say life is a marathon, not a sprint. So we grab some energy drink and we keep running. Sometimes very slowly, it's away from God. 
the trajectory of overloaded schedules and busy lives gone mad can gradually take us away from God's design for the family. Many parents I see and know are running at reckless speed. And you can see it in their countenance. You see a desperate attempt to do everything there is to do, managing chaos. And somewhere, good things get lost like this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live life long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents, I'm asking you to examine your routine. Look at your schedule. Is it grounded in God's plan? Don't be afraid to reconsider, repent, restore, renew your commitment to God and to the children who are His gift to you. I'm going to say to parents, don't be afraid to affirm your authority. Do your kids understand who is in charge? The follow-up question is, do you as a parent understand who is in charge? God is clear in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, and the companion text in Colossians 3, 20 and 21. You know that in any team, any business, any group, any organization... It is essential for everybody to know who is in charge. Do your children know who is in charge? Have we made the mistake of just assuming that everybody in the family knows who is in charge? Some experts have argued, notably Dr. Leonard Sachs, that there has been in recent years a transfer of authority from the parents to the kids. And he said, along with that transfer of authority has come a change in the valuation of kids' opinions and preferences, so that in many families, what kids think and what kids like and what kids want now matters as much or more than what their parents think and like and want. God has made His assignment to mothers and fathers to take charge, to be parents. Don't be afraid of that. Children, your parents are in charge legally and scripturally. They hold the right of authority. Don't be afraid of that, parents. Don't be afraid to teach them. Can I say to parents, it is impossible to not teach your children about God. Their first vague impressions about God will come from you. If you raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, they will gradually learn what it means to serve God. 
from what you say and what they see you doing. Raising children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord sends them in a good direction to make their choices to serve God. You will teach them one way or the other what God means to you. It is impossible to not teach your children in some way about God in one direction or the other. Let me go at that another way. If you as a parent fail to instruct your children about sex and drugs and the other issues they're sure to face, somebody else will. If you don't pass on good values, somebody will pass on their values. Your children will be taught about life. The question is, who will teach them? God has always said it needs to be you. This has always been God's plan. Join me back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me show you one early indication of what God wanted in families. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, what would that require of the Israelite parents? Time, sincere devotion of heart, consistency and diligence and discipline. Don't be afraid to do what God has charged you to do. The Bible is full of instruction. Your children need to live right, to avoid the wiles of the devil, to marry good and become good parents to your grandchildren. Two simple things you should continue if you're doing now or start if you are not. Family Bible reading accompanied by family prayer. Family Bible reading accompanied by family prayer. You know, I hear people say all the time, our problem is we don't have prayer in the public schools. The greater problem may be we don't have prayer in the home. Your children will be taught about God. The question is, who will teach them? God has always said it needs to be you, and He gave you an instruction book. The top worries of Christian parents, having adult children who are not faithful, nags at Christian parents. 
And then the rest of the list, you know, drugs and alcohol and pornography and other forms of sexual immorality, misuse and overuse of phones and devices and screens and social media. There is one book that addresses every one of those concerns. Are you using this book, reading this book, and teaching them from it? Don't be afraid to ask tough questions. This is a function of your authority, specifically the disciplined part of the authority God gave to you as parents. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old he will not depart from it, Proverbs 22, 6. In that general rule there is that phrase, the way he should go. Parents need to know the way their children are going now in order to send them in a better direction. You may need to get them back on course now, and that may necessitate some tough questions. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Questions may be essential to discover that folly, to expose it, and get on a correction, remedial course with God's Word. Every passage about discipline has built into it your need to know what's going on. And in some circumstances, behavior may dictate the need to inquire. Don't be afraid to ask the tough questions when they're necessary. Are you drinking? Where were you last night? Is your girlfriend pregnant? And let me see your phone. You may dread the answers, but you need to get those answers now. Don't be afraid. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And the goal in asking tough questions is not to delight in catching them. I told you about that. No. The goal of all parental discipline is to train them. And when they have sinned, to reconcile them back to God to the best of your ability. The goal is not just to reduce your stress but to teach your children to avoid conflict and stress with God. Don't be afraid to listen to your children. You love them, listen to them. Love is patient and kind Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I believe one of the attributes of biblical love 
is to learn to be a good listener. And this may be one of the greatest tools parents have. Listening. In facing the daily challenge of parenting, we've all tried a whole list of things. Incentives, consequences, modeling, reasoning, behavior modification, grounding, restrictions, the Board of Education, yelling. And you know, don't make me come up there. Parents are always looking for tools and methods. Listening may be one of the greatest tools you have. And just here with this point, I'm not talking about an inquisition. Conversation. Where you do a lot of listening and learning about your child. If every time you talk to your kids... You call them stupid. They will shut down and never open up to you. We don't open up to and spill our guts to people who are hostile listeners. I'm talking about more than just the traditional. How did your day go at school? Please pass the meatloaf. One-on-one -on -one in an atmosphere where you want to learn and listen without interrogation and snippy, insulting responses. Start that early and keep it up and there can be huge dividends when your children are 18 or 25 or 48. From the book, Fearless Parenting, by George Barna and Jimmy Myers. We usually assume communication means we tell people things so we have information they need. Authentic communication, however, is a two-way street. That means listening is just as important as talking. Sometimes parents need to talk less... Dial back the yelling and sit down and listen to what's going on in the mind of that gift God gave you. Don't be afraid to speak the truth in love. The very thing Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. And to that add... Colossians 3.21, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. One of the deadly sins of parents is unrestrained anger. And it's in direct defiance of these two passages. Ephesians 4.15, Colossians 3.21, unrestrained anger toward children is in direct defiance of these two passages. Someone may respond, what about the kids? Don't they get angry? Of course they do. They're kids. We are the adults. Parents should have outgrown temper tantrums and hateful outbursts. If you've ever 
unleashed a verbal assault on your child, what value did that have for your child? There must be a line you never cross when speaking to your children, no matter the offense you are responding to. I will assume parents here have that line drawn about hitting your children in the face and causing injury that is unjustifiable and abusive and that's just an expression of your frustration, no discipline. You're not going to spit on a child. You're not going to break his nose. But you know, with words you may break his spirit. I've given you a lot to digest. And I need a few more minutes to wrap it up. Parents, you can't just have a sentimental, general feeling or wish that your children will grow up to be faithful Christians. It's not a wise assumption that it will just happen. You have to take that hope and turn it into very specific measures that you will enact from the textbook. Many parents have nothing but a vague wish that maybe their children will turn out okay. That isn't a sound parental strategy. It's too general. You must be specific, have a plan based on what we've read in Scripture, accept your responsibility to God to raise those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you failed, the gospel always says you can change. Speak to God about it. He will listen. Sit down with your family. Talk about specific changes for all of you to be closer to God. You'll never regret that. Now, an abrupt revolution may not work. Parents listen to teaching like this, and maybe they get all their kids together for a family meeting and they announce, all right, everything's going to change starting in five minutes. Everything. It's all going to be different. We're going to get up Monday morning at 6 o'clock and have breakfast at 6.30. going to have Bible study at 6.30 to 7. We're going to pray and we're going to hug and kiss and calmly get out to the car by 7.25 and head out. I tell you, if you do that, all of a sudden your kids will grow up never wanting to hear the name Berkeley. I'm not going to recommend an abrupt revolution. Long-term habits are generally not changed overnight, but you have to start. Husband and wife, mom and dad, talk about it. Have a conversation about doing better. Make God the center of that conversation. Create an action plan that isn't intimidating in length, but start somewhere. Family Bible reading, family prayer. Review how those first steps are working after a couple of weeks and then add some other things and the goal is to move away from managed chaos to making certain the family priorities are seeking those things that are above where Christ is at the right hand of God. Now, I could write out an action plan, but it wouldn't be your action plan. 
Your action plan needs to be crafted by you as parents with input from children who are of sufficient age. Let's take our families to the Lord and then someday to heaven. Will you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, help these moms and dads who are here or who are listening to this. Help those moms and dads who seek Thee and who are determined to raise their children to live for Thee through Jesus Christ. Help them change. Help them be consistent. Help them practice love and patience. Help the children be responsive and receptive. And help us older folks, grandparents and extended family and brothers and sisters to be an encouragement to our families. In the name of Jesus Christ, who wants peace for all of us, we pray. Amen. Let us be standing as we sing.